Hey, sweetie, what do you think of our new car from Carvana? Think it can handle our busy family? Well, we have seven days to see. First, we can take the scenic route to the beach and stargaze through the moonroof. We'll see if your drums fit in the trunk. Then we can pick up Mommy's friends and check out that leg room. And we should really visit Grandma. She's getting up there. That's, like, a whole lifetime in seven days. And, like, one busy family. With our seven-day money-back guarantee, you can confidently shop for cars 100% online. Visit Carvana.com for all terms and conditions. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 75. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Monday, Steelers Nation. And David was the super wild and super wild card weekend. A very exciting, close uh, slate of games capped off with that Sunday night game, the Bengals beating the Ravens. So uh, always a bummer for Pittsburgh to not be part of playoff weekend, but kind of fun to, to watch it all from afar. Boy, they're, uh, you know, being out of the playoffs, you know, normally, or when the Steelers obviously are in at least one of those days, you know, you're, uh, you're ate up with having to, you know, cover the team before and after and all like that. So, uh, it's, it's kind of a rarity, uh, and hopefully they don't make a habit out of it, but, uh, (laughs) uh, with them, obviously not, not being in the playoffs, you get to sit back and watch all these games and, uh, obviously five so far this weekend and, uh, man, uh, a couple of them, it looked like they were going to get away, you know, get out of hand real quick and, uh, you know, teams come back and boy, what, what a game that chargers, uh, Jaguars game was. And then you go, you'll fast forward into, into Sunday and the bills and dolphins game. And it looked like that was going to, going to be kind of a whitewash early on. And, and, you know, dolphins stuck around in that. And I mean, you close the night out on Sunday night with, I mean, kind of what I would refer to as a typical AFC North game, you know, playoff game there. And, you know, just to have one of the biggest plays really, or the biggest play of the weekend, you'll know, happen uh, kind of, you know, late in that game there with the, uh, with the Huntley, you know, leaping over the, over the goal line, trying to, trying to score, you know, what, what would probably be a, a dagger type touchdown for them and have the ball knocked loose by Logan Wilson. And, you know, going back the other way, what 98 yards like mm-hmm. that. And uh, ended up being the difference in the game. So win probability was really shook on that one uh, there. But uh, 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 you know, I, I think one thing we learned <laughs> this weekend uh, at least in the wild card round here, we'll see how this transpires on into Monday night, and then obviously into the uh, next round of the playoffs. You better score some points, Alex. Yeah. What was the stat that you had? Teams that scored more than thirty-one points were three and one, or something like that. Yeah, thirty-one or more points. They were four and one. And uh, uh, hold on, I'll find it. There was two uh, two hundred eighty-six points scored in the five games uh, on 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 Saturday and Sunday for uh, obviously ten get ten ten games. Twenty-eight point six per team average. Uh, you score thirty-one and over. The, the teams that scored thirty-one and over were four and one, and the teams that scored thirty and under were one and four. Uh, mm. I'm not sure. I mean, I. 
Uh, I didn't look back, but I mean, I, I, I can real quick because I have it uh, here. Let's see some of the games last year of the one, two, three, four, let's see, uh, six games that they had last year, 26 to 19, 47 to 17, 31 to 15, 23 to 17, 42 to 21, and 34 to 11. So it was, it was, it was a you know, tale of kind of the haves and the have-nots. Uh, last year in this super wild card round, whereas this year it was, it was, you know, uh, 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 basically, you know, well, quite a few teams obviously being in the, in the 30 and over category there. So, uh, it'll be, once again, it'll be interesting to see, are we going to get some defense at some point? Because normally at some point you see that the defensive side of football stands up. Uh, on, on the run to the Super Bowl here. So, sure. uh, and I don't know if you would call, you know, the game uh, Sunday night between the Bengals and 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 the Ravens a kind of a, a defensive battle. It was kind of compared to the rest of the games, <laughs> right? Uh, but overall, it seemed like both teams were were moving the ball pretty good overall. Yeah, I think maybe the in this modern era, the the mindset shifts from having a defensive you know, dominant performance to making that timely defensive play like the Bengals made on the goal line to totally, you know, change the course and ultimately win the game. Um, I think maybe those are those weighty moments that one critical turnover winning the turnover battle is probably the standard and the mark that defenses need to have these days as, as opposed to holding teams to under 17 points. Yeah, I, I still think at some point along the way, you're going to have to see them score some, have, have to play some defense along the way, right? Yeah, I mean, sure, to an extent, you can't win every game in a, in a shootout that's not tenable. But certainly for Pittsburgh, you understand, you know, this is an AFC that's going to generally look like this for the next five plus years. As the Jaguars emerge with Trevor Lawrence, with, you know, Mahomes, of course, the Chiefs didn't even play this weekend. Uh, what the Bills can do, just all these young quarterbacks that are that are on the rise or guys that have been established and aren't going anywhere anytime soon. Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, a good example of that. So. You know, that's the mark that's been set in the AFC, and that's where Pittsburgh will eventually have to get in the realm of to truly compete for another Super Bowl. Well, look, I mean, uh, they got to score more points today. They've, they've been able to score, boy, there was, you know, seemed like uh, quite a few explosive plays in this thing as well, too. So, uh, it, you know, it is a bit, bit concerning overall when you look at this and you see, uh, you know, teams scoring the amount of points that they're scoring. Yeah, it just, you know, highlights where Pittsburgh has to be. But um, I, again, I, I look at it as as a little less on the points and just on the quarterback play overall and the names that are left in, in Trevor Lawrence and Josh Allen and Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. Again, just to reiterate the point, those guys aren't going anywhere. They're going to be playing in their cities for the next decade plus in oh, all likelihood. Sure. And so you add in all the other ones too. what happens with Lamar if he comes back in Baltimore, stays in the AFC if he goes somewhere else. Um, again, not saying that Kenny Pickett has to be the next Patrick Mahomes, but you have to be able to compete in those type of environments to, to really get this team to where it ultimately wants to go. Does not have to happen in 2023 sooner, the better, but just knowing what the, the long-term view needs to be. Right. Speaking of scoring points and offense should uh, note that Matt Canada, as far as we know it at 10 29 AM on Monday, January 16th remains a Pittsburgh Steeler. Um, no reported change in his status there. I believe that Jerry Dulac also confirmed that Canada is under contract through 2023. So if this thing's going to happen at all in terms of him being fired, and those odds seem to be diminishing by the hour, by the day, 
you would expect it to be today. It didn't happen on Friday. My my thought was right after the season end, ended that it wouldn't happen immediately. If it was going to happen, it would be either a Friday or maybe a Monday thing. But there's been no hints or reports or rumors at all about a firing or dismissal in that Canada. So I'm now really working under the assumption and bordering on expecting Matt Canada to return next season. How much do you read into Mike Tomlin saying we're not going to, in so many terms, uh, you know, so many words saying, you know, we're not going to rush through this and, and all, but within that, I mean, <laughs> you got teams, you know, now getting eliminated from the playoffs and, and you know, what, what are the coordinator changes going to look like? Boy, Ravens fans, you want to talk about, uh, uh, I, I think they're wanting Roman run out of town uh, mm-hmm. as of this morning, but you know, you look, uh, if, if, if Huntley, you know, it's so much, you know, how much can one, one play make a difference, right? You know, if, sure. if Huntley doesn't fumble that uh, and, and they hold on to win, you know, they're obviously getting ready for another playoff game. There's no, there's no even talk, uh, you know, about Roman being run out. And obviously you didn't have Lamar Jackson and, and you're on, you know, uh, you're, you're, you're obviously your backup quarterback in that situation there. And, you know, their offense is kind of, uh, you know, run kind of the same way with, 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 you know, they don't change up a lot between those two quarterbacks there. So, uh, you know, within all that, it feels like, I mean, this is, you know, kind of technically the second black Monday of the, uh, of, of the month, right. Or, uh, postseason, right. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if more firings happen. What happens to Brandon Staley in Los Angeles and Greg Roman, the OC in Baltimore and whatever other surprises may be in store. So I know that, you know, this will also be the week where you may see some teams that already fired their head coaches last week, begin to put together their coaching staff. Maybe later this week, you get some hirings come in with the couple of vacancies out there. So there'll be a lot of moving and, and shaking, but, uh, is your expectation, an assumption the same as mine, where you're now believing that Matt Canada will be back next year? I mean, if he makes it past uh, five Eastern time today, uh, I mean, it, it really, I mean, it, the probability you think uh, the win, the win factor for, for Steelers fans goes <laughs> way down, I think, at, at that point. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I really do think that if he makes it past five today, I mean, it's, you look at the timeline, right? I posted that over the weekend, even going back uh, uh, all the way through the uh, through the through the Cower era. Let me pull that up uh, uh, real quick. Uh, well, I think for the dates alone, I only had uh, with Arians and and uh, Randy and all like that. Let me see if I can pull that up real quick here. But I think the latest one of the bunch was uh, Arians. Let's see here, right. uh, January twentieth, two thousand and twelve. Man, that seems like. See, I it's still vivid in my mind. I remember that statement uh, being released on Steelers.com talking about uh, his decided you know to retire. That happened on January twentieth, uh, two thousand and twelve, and then uh, the Todd Haley contract, quote unquote, not renewed on January seventeenth, two thousand eighteen. Uh, the Randy Feetner in two thousand twenty-one, January fourteenth, uh, contract not re- renewed, and uh, it just. I mean, here we are already on today's the 16th. It's been, you know, uh, a a full week since the season ended. So, I mean, nothing says that they can't get to the the middle of this week and pull the plug on it, but it just, it feels highly unlikely. Sure. Again, as you mentioned, the timeline for those, but besides Arians, that was a weird kind of specialty situation, but with Keith Butler, with Randy Feetner, with Todd Haley, that came, you know, between three to four to 
five days after the season ended, we're now past that point with Canada. Again, as you said, nothing prevents them from doing it on Wednesday, but hey, it just seems like kind of bad business. And if you want to get a jump on your next OC with the senior bowl coming up and getting ready for the off season, usually the sooner the, be- the better. Don't let this guy kind of hang around and then make this maybe late change um, if you're going to go in to make one. So my calculation on Saturday, Dave, when I wrote an article saying that, you know, it's Friday, Matt Canada is still here. Obviously, the improvement the second half of the season from a more efficiency standpoint, a much better run game, finding an identity. The points weren't always there, though. There was some improvement uh, there as well. And then I think it just, I think their thought is they don't want to fire an OC, bring in a new OC, and then go through the growing pains of having a new OC for the first month of 2023 when they just went through all the growing pains in 2022 and then finally made some progress in the back half of the season. They don't want to kind of go back through that again to maybe a lesser extent, but still dealing with all the, you know, newities of having a new coordinator and, and gelling and getting his offense down and, and terminology and all that kind of stuff. So I think they just want to keep things constant, knowing how intact this offense is going to be from this past year into next year. Yeah. I mean, that, that certainly makes sense. And plus they just don't fire. You know, I think those, they just don't fire coordinators. I mean, they just literally do not do that. So that's just kind of keeping in the in the Rooney ways. Right. I mean, we'll we'll obviously see. That's not going to make a lot of people happy. You know, with, uh, it goes without saying, right? Right. Uh, one coach who may be on the move is Brian Flores. Now, we know he's interviewed for the uh, Cleveland Browns D.C. job. That has not been officially filled by the team. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals have requested to interview him uh, to be their head coach. I don't think that's been uh, officially a date on uh, him accepting and any sort of timeline for when that interview could take place. And then over the weekend, uh, Josina Anderson reporting the Atlanta Falcons requested an interview uh, to interview uh, Brian Flores for their defensive coordinator position. And so now we know it's Cleveland and then potentially Arizona as a head coach and Atlanta as a DC. So Brian Flores generating plenty of interest this coaching cycle. Yeah, the Flores uh, World Tour, I think, and I, I don't think I don't think that's going to be it. What's going to happen in Minnesota there? They let you a lot of talk uh, after that game uh, against the Giants on on when was it Sunday about <laughs> they're probably going to need a new defensive coordinator over there. So uh, uh, I don't know how quick a, a, of a decision how this thing will wind down uh, uh, as far as the time frame goes, but I. I don't think this is the last time that we're writing or talking about uh, an interview being scheduled with him. Yeah. Now it's just a question of, will he just be the guy that gets a bunch of interviews and not hired, or will he actually get an offer and and go somewhere else? And again, I think Cleveland is a pretty decent chance of that happening. Um, You know, Arizona is a head coaching opportunity. They're going through their process as they, you know, fire Cliff Kingsbury. It's probably a little less likely there, but we'll just have to wait and see. So you know, it's hard to really gauge, you know, what are the odds of him leaving, of him getting an offer? But obviously there's a, a chance and the more teams that come calling, the higher those odds are. Sure. And uh, once again, remind everybody that the, the, there's no uh, uh, compensation there. Right. No compensation um, because A, you don't get compensation for coordinator hires and B, even if, say, the Cardinals uh, hired him to be their next head coach, Flores has to be with the Steelers for at least two years course just one year so there would be no compensation there so we'll keep you posted should know at probably end the week about the browns job and maybe one of these other jobs as well so we'll let you know uh what the status of brian flores is 
Uh, Dave, who, who would be the most? Uh, who would be the most likely? You think you think they'd uh, promote within or what? Uh, uh, if you were to go somewhere, I mean, I think they probably do nothing because Flores was kind of that unexpected hire. It was you know given the situation last year of him being fired, suing the the Dolphins, suing other teams, suing the NFL, him kind of being blackballed and ignored by the rest of the league, and Mike Tomlin wanting to give. Flores a, a landing spot temporarily. I mean, you know, he was working with Jerry Olsofsky as the off-ball linebackers coach. Olsofsky's still here, um, to my knowledge, and so they may not really add anybody. It was just kind of a last second. Even Tomlin admitted that he was talking with Flores initially just as, as a friend to kind of give some general counsel to, and then it kind of just suddenly turned into, hey, hey, do you want to come here and, and work for us? So they, they probably they wouldn't have to hire anybody to replace him. Well, I can hear uh, I can hear fans of the team now. Man, you do, you do the guy a solid like that. He turns around and becomes the Browns <laughs> <laughs> defensive defensive coordinator there. Uh, yeah, just business, man. I mean, yeah. and, and we all we all knew this sure, was a temporary sure. thing. He wasn't going to be here for the next five years. Yeah, exactly. So. I think some kind of envision him maybe somehow being the one that you know comes after Tomlin, but uh, that that was never realistic. Right. And if he gets hired in Cleveland, it'll be him coming after Stefanski. That's the conversation is already happening in Cleveland right now. But uh, and again, not firing Terrell Austin just to keep Brian Flores around for maybe just one more year. I mean, that just would be would be silly and and morally dubious and not good for for the team overall. Uh, Dave, over the weekend. What what do you think about Stefanski real quick? I've I've always kind of liked the guy. I mean, is he over over his head as far as, you know, the. The, uh, the job requirements of a head coach, or is it just, and you know, they've got a mess over there with still with too many, too many hands in the, in the pile, you know, kind of situation. And, and, you know, in other words, I mean, is he, is he, is he good head coach material? Yeah, I think 2023 will be a big year with the full year of Deshaun Watson, no suspension. I think this year was a disappointment, even knowing what happened with Watson. I mean, they had a better quarterback and better quarterback play this year in Jacoby Brissett than what an injured Baker Mayfield gave them in 2021, and yet their record overall was worse. Um, and so there's there's a mark on that. But yeah, I think Stefanski's done a good job. Um, you know, he's, he's a good, bright offensive mind. He's still helped this franchise have some stability overall. I think certainly the the Watson deal was probably mostly out of his hands and dictated towards him. And if Watson returns to form, then you know, they're going to be a really competitive team. So he's got to win next year. He's probably got to get back to the playoffs and, and hopefully win a playoff game. That's likely their expectation. If that does not happen, then his job could be called into question. Um, so really, I think next year kind of determines the fate of Kevin Stefanski. Okay. Devin Bush had a, a tweet speaking of coaches and playing for coaches over the weekend. Um, and again, what, with the whole Deontay Johnson thing that was so vague and just so, you know, everybody's speculating that it, it was so silly to talk about Devin Bush's tweet a lot more concrete. And let me let me pull it up here so I can read this one verbatim. It still wasn't 100 percent specific, but we can talk about it a lot more than I think we can about Deontay Johnson. Devin Bush tweeting. Uh, playing for a former NFL player with the thinking man emoji. And so Devin Bush, a free agent to be, sounds like he'd like to go somewhere where the head coach used to play in the NFL. Boy, that thing blew up, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, a pretty popular post on the site. Uh, look, I, I don't I don't know how he's helping himself there. I, I, I really don't. I mean, this is a guy that before the season started really kind of downplayed you know, the idea 
uh, of him, you know, it being a make, I think it, it, it was, it was uh, exactly kind of the, the question was, is, is this a make or break season for you? And he says, well, I'm still going to be in the NFL, you know, kind of a, uh, I don't think he, I don't think he meant it to come out of his mouth like it did, but the way it came out of his mouth, like it did, it didn't sound all that great. And obviously this was, I think back in training camp and all like that, but uh, uh, I don't see how he's helping himself with, with, and, and, and once again, we don't know 100% the context, but it sure is hard to, uh, you know, to, to, to kind of think that isn't what it's kind of designed to be. Right. Well, I don't, yeah, I, my interpretation of that is just basically he's already thinking about his future outside of Pittsburgh because it's pretty clear the Steelers don't have plans for Bush to, to come back and he probably doesn't have a lot of plans or desire to, to remain in Pittsburgh. So I think it's, a small admission of both sides and really Bush looking to, to move on from Pittsburgh. Right. Um, Cause he won't be back. I mean, I can't see him being back in any way, shape and form. Now what, what coaches are currently uh, what current coaches were playing the NFL. You have Doug Peterson in Jacksonville. You have Mike Grable in Tennessee. You have Dan Campbell in Detroit. We'll see if any other hires occur. Gerard Mayo, though, it seems like he's almost certainly going to stay in new England, but those are the three guys that played you know, had a fairly lengthy career. There were some others that played briefly, um, but those are kind of, to me, the, the big three that had pretty extensive football careers. Uh, look, I mean, it goes back to the final two weeks of the season and what the Steelers think about him. Uh, right. You, you, you played, uh, what, 10 total snaps in the final two games in AFC North ball, and 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 <laughs> down the stretch, and, and you're, you're putting, a, and, and it's no disrespect to Mark Robinson, but, I mean, you, you got a former first round draft pick in there that you've that you've given lip service to saying, oh, he's, you know, he's, he's he, he, you know, he's done fine. You know, how many times was Mike Tomlin asked about him and gave an answer that we all kind of just kind of rolled our eyes at, you know, when it comes to him and, and, and in those final two games, games that you you absolutely have to have, uh, he gets. You know, and obviously, you know, scheme related a, a, a lot of it in there. But uh, the fact is that you have to scheme relate around a guy like that and a guy that you didn't give a fifth year option to. Uh, I mean, the, the writing's on the wall there. there. There's only one way that Devin Bush uh, comes back to this team uh, this offseason. And that's that's going to be on a one year deal for either write it, you know, uh, something along the lines of, of, of a Trell Edmonds or less deal that he got and even then uh it, it it still feels very unlikely uh that guy probably you know can't wait to get out of town at this point and but within that and as i posted on twitter this morning uh <laughs> you know what what's his market value and if i if i'm if i am that coach and a former or if if i am that uh head coach around the league and and a, and a former nfl player and there's a handful of them now you know, uh, how, how am I looking at that now? And I mean, his market value right now has got to be, I mean, at tops, what 3 million for one season. And that's, that might be pushing it. Yeah, that sounds about right. I hadn't given it much thought, just knowing that Bush isn't coming back and it doesn't really matter what his market value is. He's not going to return to Pittsburgh, but there is going to be, he's still young. He's still a former first round pick. That's going to hold some value. He's played football. He was better this year than last year. Does that mean a whole lot? No, but yeah, I would say three to 4 million sounds about right. Uh, I mean, I, once again, we, we would be surprised if he's back. 
I'd be shocked. Again, it's not only, I mean, the, as you said, the guys playing ahead of Bush the final two weeks was a seventh-round rookie and an undrafted guy in Robert Spillane, and, and rightfully so. And again, some of that was schematic, Robinson being in the specialty packages. So, you know, I don't want to say it's necessarily one-to-one Robinson taking Bush's spot, but he was obviously playing more snaps and was trusted more to play against the run and uh, against Baltimore, against Cleveland, against your rivals. And so that is, as you mentioned, the writing on the wall for Devin right. Bush. Right. Uh, speaking of defensive free agents on Friday's show, Dave, you and I went over the offensive free agents, a pretty uninspiring list overall. The defensive side that we'll go over today, and that's certainly a more attractive and more notable list here. And so you've done a great job to write these up over the last several days. You and I can talk about them now, starting with the biggest free agent to be of them all, cornerback Cam Sutton. I know we've talked about his future and status and market value, but to kind of go over it again, this is the one guy you don't want to lose, although it's going to cost a pretty penny to retain him. Yeah. And and it goes to both sides of the ball, right? When it comes to your unrestricted free agent list, this, this guy feels like the guy that you really got to focus on right here. And, uh, you know, it, 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 he has a contract that included voidable years. It's going to void, I think it's on like February 20th, like the, you know, like the week after the Super Bowl or something along those lines there. Uh, and, you know, people are asking, well, can, can they do something with that and, and, you know, prevent the $2.1 million in being dead in 2023? I mean, I haven't researched. I mean, you don't see a lot of that happen, period. So there's not a lot of working examples of it. But I, I would think that if they, if there's, you know, if they if they could do something before either they push back the void date, which I don't see that happening, uh, or 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 they get something done before the void date mm-hmm. to, to to try to rip something up in there and 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 do something that way. But even so, it you know I, I would be less concerned about the dead money aspect of it, the two point one million. Uh, then I, you know, I'd be less worried about that than I would be about, can they get something done with him? Because even if the contract voids, uh, on time on February 20th or whatever the date is there, he's, he's not going to be cut. It's not like he's out on the street. You know, it it won't be until March 15th before he becomes unrestricted. So you still have that extra, you know, let's call it a month in there to get something done. The only question becomes is, is, is what's his market value? And you see in some of these lists now, it's that time of year where you see these lists circulate around ranking, you know, ranking the, uh, the soon to be unrestricted free agents around the league. And I think pretty consistently, uh, uh, Sutton's in the top 25. Is that what you're seeing? And I think at worst, he's like the number three cornerback, right? Yeah, it depends on what publication you talk to, um, but he's generally in that top 25. I believe PFF had him the highest at, no- at number 17. I don't know how many corners were ahead of him. I can't think there were many, maybe one or two, uh, but he'll be, should he hit the market, one of the top guys. I mean, it's it's a supply and demand situation when it comes to when it comes to free agency too, right? Yeah, absolutely. That determines a, a large you know, chunk of what your value is, depending on the strength of the free agent class of quarterback, the strength on on the draft class as well. Now, the corner class in the draft seems to be fairly strong this year. Um, but still, just given his resume and, and the job he did this year, Sutton, as a, as a really strong corner, had his best season by far, became a lot more comfortable playing on the outside, 
that alone is going to drive up his price. I mean, I mean, are, are we talking top fifteen uh, average or or higher because of market? I'd have to look at the exact numbers. I mean, you know, I think it's easy to say he'll be in double digits per year. You know, at least ten million. I know you've pegged it at, at higher than that, around thirteen. I don't know what top fifteen is off the top in terms of uh, pulling up the the over the cap chart. Um, I'd have to look, but I think eleven to to thirteen is probably about what he'll get. All right, let's let's look at uh, at someone we got to see play on Sunday night, Marcus Peters. Okay, how, how would you compare? Uh, Marcus just didn't have. He's been hurt this past year. He didn't have. Didn't seem to have his best game against Jamar Chase. But I mean, a, good, a lot of cornerbacks can probably say that uh, right now at this point. Uh, I, I I pull him out because uh, he's. Uh, I think he's. I don't know what is he about top twelve, top fourteen, something like that at fourteen million per. Okay, then I mean that probably sounds about right. Then Peters is, I think, a bit older. He's you know just turned thirty. It's not that old. So, yeah, I mean, that that could be the number as well. And I think I threw out, what did I say during the earlier a couple weeks ago, about 13 and a half million or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had said about 13 in our conversation a while back. All right. And the market right now is propped up by William Jackson third. <laughs> His help being propped up by William Jackson third, who has a uh, average average value of 13.5. Hmm. Funny how that one works out. Uh, there, uh, man, Alex, I, 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 I see it coming in somewhere between, I would say 14 to oh wow, 16 and a half, maybe. Okay. Now the question back to you is, is he worth that in Pittsburgh? I mean, what, I guess the question yeah, because what what what's the alternative? Well, I think that's a bad way to give out contracts well, to, to, to answer it that way. I understand your point, but I think it's a bad thing to, to say, well, what well, else are we going to do? I think he is worth uh, 13 and a half. Now, the question okay. is, is, is he worth you? If you're going to go 13 and a half, are you going to go 14? If you're going to go 14, are you going to go 16? You know, uh, and once again, it's the whole. You know what? What will the market push? You know he 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 he. You know supply and demand aspect of it. Uh, I think at max, I'd I'd, I'd push fifteen at the max. Okay. I think I, I mean, think he's worth that. And then once again, you know you're 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 you know you're splitting hairs here, right? Well, if you're going to go fifteen, why wouldn't you go sixteen? Well, at some point, you you know the next number becomes too high. You know. Sure. There's always a line. There has to be a line somewhere. Um, I, I would say based on, man, he is so smart on the back end of that defense. And uh, he's almost, I mean, he's a, he's a quarterback on that field. And if you will, so, uh, and you know, he's, he's a heady player. He's not as splashy uh, as a guy like, I don't know who, who would you name as, as, as a real super splashy kind of, you know, corn. Well, I mean, uh, uh, the kid, the young kid down there with the Jets. Uh, uh, sauce, yeah, like a Sauce you know, Gardner or even you know, you know Trevon Diggs used to feast right. famine, creates a lot of picks, gets burned a lot. You know, Sutton's a steady guy. I gotta, I gotta go through the defensive charting this week. I know his quarterback rating against this year was super low. I mean, it was like a sub fifty percent completion percentage. Um, I mean, this guy played really good football, especially the back half of the uh, of the season. 
plain and simple, I, I, I'll leave it at this. I, I think $15 million is, is probably his right market value when it comes to the Steelers. And I think they will do everything in their in in their power to try to uh, make him to to keep him in the fold. I'm with you as well. His versatility, playing inside, playing outside, even rotating at safety. Some of the inverted looks, cover two, cover three looks they run that allows Minka to to be more free and move around, not be stuck in one spot. Just a lot of value there with Sutton, low maintenance guy, available, improved his attack. He was not a good tackler coming out of Tennessee. He's really gotten better in that aspect. I mean, this guy wears every hat. Again, the only argument against that I've had is, despite how good of a season Sutton had, and I want to recognize that, is he really that true number one shutdown cornerback? And it's still hard for me to really get there, just knowing that athletically, he's still kind of limited to go against Jamar Chase twice a year or whatever the top receiver that you're going to face on a you know near weekly basis will be. And so will you pay a guy $15 million per year and say, well, we still got to go find a number one shutdown corner. Well, yeah, I mean, if you don't have him, you better go do something unless you're going to uh, 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 definitely build through the draft. And if he's already one of the top corners on the market, it makes makes sense to retain him. Well, yeah, my point is, though, if you let's say you resign Cam Sutton, do you still kind of feel that you need that number one corner or is Sutton really that number one lockdown guy like a sauce gardener? He's probably he's not in that camp. To me. Well, I mean, I, if you're asking, do I think they go out and get another corner on top of uh, in free agency? The answer is no. Well, it's not necessarily that. It's just, do you feel like that's still a need for this team, even if you're not going to fill it this year? Like, okay, do you think Cam Sutton's a number one, like true number one type corner that can yeah, erase I mean, you're, you're, or you're, match up against top receivers? Well, uh, we, uh, he's not a guy that if they re-sign him at that, I don't. I still don't think they let him travel. You know, right? That that's partially my point so the answer to that's probably no if to answer right, that question right i mean because they, they just i mean when's the last time we saw that happen you know yeah like, like taylor i guess back in those days you know, um, I, so I, I would i would maybe consider it you know but uh uh that that's why there's really kind of a you know where does the line get cut at you know right but my point is let's say w- would you pay a guy 15 million to not travel and not take on top receivers on a weekly basis how much would I pay? Would you pay fifteen million to have a guy not travel and not really be your true blue? Yeah, yeah. Once point. again, I, I think his market value, what whatever you do with him is fifteen million dollars. Period. End of story. Sure. No, I get that, but I, it'll just leave me still wondering: Do you have to go find another top level corner? Because is Sutton really that high end cover corner? He played really well this year, but but that's always kind of a, a nagging thought I've had when it comes to Cam Sutton. Into the Steelers secondary. Well, here's the thing. I mean, uh, you know, if they if they if they go get him, they're not going to go get another one in free agency. So then it becomes, uh, are you going to do it during the draft? I, regardless, they need to take another shot in the draft. I I don't think so. I don't think in the first round, but mm-hmm. uh, I think uh, anything after the first round, they should take a shot at another corner. Yeah, especially if you're going to dump a Keller Witherspoon and with Jackson gone and Pierre being an RFA and depth behind that, you know, being pretty meager, um, I would expect a corner to be drafted at some point. Right. All right. I, moving I don't on. know how. I don't know how. I, I still don't know how you're trying to frame this, I guess. But is Cam Sutton a shutdown cornerback? Yes or no? Putting aside market value, putting aside everything else, is he a shutdown corner? He's not Sauce Gardner. No. So no. Okay. Are you going to pay a guy fifteen million to not be a shutdown corner? Yes. That's my that's my point. Okay. That that's the, the debate I've kind of had in my own head. Where are you at it? 
I, I, I want to bring the guy back for sure. And if I got to pay him, you know, 13, 15, you know, where do you draw the line? I don't know exactly where my line is at, but like I said, that that's still a nagging thought I've had kind of in the back of my mind of, yeah, let's re-sign Cam Sutton. You know, he's, he, he's earned that money for sure. He brings so much value to this team, but is there something, are you kind of left wanting more in terms of you got to go find that guy like Sutton's an ideal number two. You would love to have a true number one shutdown corner. Of course, those guys don't grow on trees. They're expensive, whether that's for agency or the draft. It just leaves me a little bit mixed, but I'm still largely in favor of re-signing Cam Sutton. I mean, you know, once again, uh, you know, might, might the shot be too high here at 15? I, I just, I think 15, once again, I've been throwing out 13 and a half million, you know, during that, during the off season. And then now, you know, kind of looking at numbers, you look at a guy like Marcus Peters and obviously William Jackson will be off the list here uh, uh, fairly soon. You got Traverius Ward over there with the 49ers at 13 and a half uh, there. Do you consider him a, a shutdown corner? He had a really good year. I know he got what burned, I think in the, in the playoff game, I don't think he's quite shut down status. It looks like what 15 million would make him something the 11th highest paid cornerback per year. I'm looking at, I believe. Yeah, let's see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, 11th. Yeah, right ahead of Carlton Davis. Yeah, if you could, if you could get him at that, maybe Marcus Peters, if you could get him right above what Ward got last year at 14, I know we're kind of splitting hairs at this point. That would be a bit more ideal. You're right. It's he's probably not going to get less than Ward because Ward got paid in the offseason from the 49ers when he became a free agent from Kansas City. So, you know, I would say probably 14 becomes that number for Cam Sutton. Right. So I went too far off from what I've been saying most of the offseason, no. which is 13 and a half million. So, yeah, we'll I see, think what you- we'll see what it comes in. I, I mean, once again, I, I mean, if he does get away, <laughs> then, yeah, Ooh. then, you know, what, what, what do you do? Yeah, that's a great question, and hopefully a scenario Pittsburgh's not uh, dealing with. By the way, Cleveland announcing they are interviewing Sean Desai for their D.C. job today, and so that's just notable, knowing they're still working through candidates before deciding. Again, Brian Flores interviewing last week, Jim Schwartz interviewing last week, but the Browns still going through their process, so probably no decision on their next D.C. for the next uh, couple of days. Okay. Moving on now to free agents with Larry Ogunjobi. And to me, Dave, he might be one of the more polarizing free agents with some people wanting him back, some people deciding to move on from him, a one-and-done type scenario determining his market value. There's a lot of questions about what should happen, what will happen to Larry Ogunjobi. Well, obviously, yeah, and and, and that's the guy we we've we've had we talked a little bit about as well, too. I mean, how impacted was he by uh, the toe, obviously his age comes in play. He seems like he might be a free agency uh, mercenary at this point. Uh, it's an interesting, I, I don't think he's worth the 8 million that he made this past season. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I think, you know, he's, he's, he had his great moments in Pittsburgh where there was some really impressive plays. I thought he, you know, being able to penetrate and get in the backfield and, and show some pass rush juice. That was important, but he just was a really inconsistent guy for me against the run. His get off, um, I think, is pretty hot and cold. Just a just a really up and down player overall, and so he brought some value. There's a lot of questions mark with with the Steelers defensive line in terms of what what do you have behind Ogan Joby? I just can't I can't pay this guy eight million. I can't pay this guy on a long term deal. Right. Uh, what did I put in there? Let's see. 
six, I mean, he, he played about, you know, what you wanted to play around 636 defensive snaps. Uh, but, you know, uh, one and a half sacks, you kind of envisioned him being producing a little bit more in the sack category, 11 quarter. When it was good, he was whipping some, some guards, you know, what's out there, but, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it, it, it just seemed like he ran hot and cold, uh, just overall. And really when you got into that second half of the season, it seemed to be more on the cold side, especially when he started showing up on the injury report, uh, uh, regularly with, I think the toe injury there. So, I mean, at his age, uh, I mean, I think, I think you got kind of, you know, it was, it was kind of a gamble with him anyway, right? Because of the injury and, and having that uh, contract uh, uh, fallout, you know, uh, because of uh, not passing the physical with the Bears and and get him on the one year. It, 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 it sort of felt like a one year rental the whole time. And I have a feeling that this is the way this is going to play out. I mean, look, if, if you could get him back for six million or five million or something along those lines. Yeah, have at it. But uh, I, I just I, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I think he's going to be 29. He had the knee last year, had this toe this year. Anything long term, more than one year gets really kind of concerning. Um, but there is a good question about his market value. I kind of had the thought the other day about seven, eight million about what he got this year in Pittsburgh. He did only have one and a half sacks, though. And I know that's not the the end all be all in terms of sacks. I think his pass rush pressure was probably better than what that number indicates. But you come up one and a half sack season, typically your market value is not going to be as strong as it was coming off your seven sack season as it was last year with with the Bengals. Yeah. And, you know, once again, it was a it was a bit surprising to see them do do that deal with them. with him in the manner that they did uh, last off season, because, you know, a one year with a, a cap hit that high, you know, kind, kind of was uncharacteristic for them. Now, can they obviously massage the cap this year and, 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 you know, do something with, you know, one year, six or $7 million number. Absolutely. They could, I, it, it just, it felt right from the moment they signed him last year that it was, it was probably going to be a, a one and done situation. Once again, I, I, I think Oak and Joby's going to look at it uh, like this too. This might be the final bite of the apple that I get here. Uh, right. This, this free agency uh, and hit boy, he almost took a big chunk out of, uh, out of it, you know, earlier in the off season there. Uh, I, I view, I think he's going to be, you know, continue to be a mercenary here. And I think he'll be on his, what would it be? His fourth team in, in, in four years. Uh, yeah, I guess. So 2020 with Cleveland, 2021 with the Bengals, 2022 in Pittsburgh. So I guess Baltimore, he's got to go to Baltimore to finish <laughs> off the go. AFC North, uh, uh, you know, slate there. Uh, but yeah, I think he'll want that long-term deal because he won the long-term deal last year that fell through. And as you said, probably his last chance to get it at decent money. And I don't want to do a long-term deal with Ogan Joby, just given his age, the injuries, and just, you know, I think that's a contract you would come to regret. I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I guess it comes, I mean, would you do two two year twelve million with him? Yeah, I I really wouldn't. I would just move on. I think there's too much risk there in terms of the hot and coldness of his play. But I also understand you lose him, your defensive line's looking pretty shallow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is. And look, I mean, we, we uh, here's and you probably haven't moved off this yet. It, it just feels like it feels like they have got to invest on the defensive side of football via the draft early this year, regardless of what happens here. Uh, 
And boy, it would be more so if they don't get a guy like him back, because once again, uh, well, there, there's more names on the list. So, so, you know, Wormley's one of them on the list here mm-hmm. that we're going to be talking about Tyson Alu Alu. So let, you know, let's continue on through the list here, I guess. Okay, we'll go next, just going down the order in which you uh, wrote about them. Terrell Edmonds, uh, strong safety, brought back on that one-year deal for super cheap right before the draft last year. Uh, a very good return on investment. Edmonds having a solid season. His general self being a – we played the box more this year, but you know, strong safety, good tackler, stops the run, not going to play – not going to make a ton of plays in the football, but maybe a couple more this year than he had in – in years past, not going to be a splash play, not going to take the football away kind of guy, but a good compliment to make if it's Patrick, a guy we both talked about wanting to bring back, determining market value, a little tricky, shouldn't will not break the bank. It's just kind of a question of he should get more than last year. Just how much is that question? Uh, I mean, I, I try to bring him back at that same number or whatever, you know, whatever you can on, 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 you know, maybe a decreased salary, salary cap. I, I think he's played well, played well enough that those kind of deals will still be out there for him. You know, uh, the three million or less deals out there. But on the flip side, is he does he really want to leave? You know, and he experimented last year. Uh, he probably thought his market value. He probably thought he'd probably get you know better better offers than he did. He ended up coming back, and uh, that was one of those uh, interesting. I'm trying to remember what the parameters were of that that deal. Uh, that was one of those that had kind of the vet credits or something, uh, attached to it in the CBA that, that made his deal even cheaper. I'm trying to remember that the, uh, the aspects of that. His base salary was 2.385 according to over the cap. Uh, let's see the base value of his contract, uh, was 2.5375. That is made up of a base salary of 2.385 and a signing bonus of a hundred. You know, it was, it was, it was basically had kind of the same parameters of a, uh, they, what they called it is a four year, uh, player qualifying contract. That's what it, that's what okay. it's, uh, stated, uh, a four year player qualifying contract under this benefit is a one year deal. And this was this past year with a base salary of up to 1.35 million more than the minimum base salary for said player, a maximum signing bonus of 152,500 maybe also be given, uh, as part of that qualifying contract. Uh, so, uh, that that's how that you know kind kind of played out there. Now, uh, I I'll have to look at the aspects of it. I think he would once again be eligible for another one of these four year player qualifying contracts because you have to have at least four year you know four years uh, 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 credited seasons you know, or, mm-hmm. or or accrued seasons to be able to qualify for that. Uh, so might he be a candidate? to use that tool. Once again, obviously the base salary would be a little bit higher, but there still would be kind of a discount that, that, that goes along with that. If they could get that done with him, have at it, man. Uh, that That's certainly the way I would do uh, go with him because that still would not prevent you from drafting a young, strong safety or, or, you know, uh, someone potentially overtaking him through the season. So if you're going to bring him back, uh, that, that, that's, that's the parameters I would do it on. At some point, though, this guy is going to want to get paid. I mean, he's not been paid a lot of money. He's hit for agency now. This will be a second time. I mean, at some point, you got to pay this guy something. He's played well. He's done everything that, that you've asked him to do. He's durable. He's available. He's, he's a 
good fit for the system. I'm not saying he's going to get big money, but you know, he's got to at some point say, Hey, you got to pay me, you know, something above these cheaper, you know, benefit type deals. Well, go, go find it and bring it back to us and show right. us. You know? I think that's what happened last year because he was on the market for a long time. He right. had other offers, but I assume nothing that good considering how cheaply Pittsburgh got him. But the guy's still what 25, 26. I mean, he is the oldest 25, 26 year old in football, just given the snap counts that he's played and how long he's been in the NFL. Yeah. That dude is turning uh 26 in a couple of days. So, you know, what that number is, I don't know. It'll be similar to last year, but I think he's, he's gotten incrementally better every single season in a two year deal worth, you know, I don't know, six and a half, seven million doesn't seem out of the question for me. Yeah. But I want to make sure what, yeah. Uh, and you would do that deal obviously where if you had to part ways, you know, it, it, it could be done after this season. So you sure. have to be careful to guarantee money in that. So it, sure. it's, it, it, you know, it's not out of the question to do something along those lines that puts, I don't know, three and a half million in his pocket with base and signing bonus combined together, you know, uh, this year. I mean, let's say if you did, uh, I mean, could you do a two year seven and a half million dollar deal with him? With uh, four million dollars going to him, somebody write this down. I'm gonna probably be be right about this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with about four million coming to him in 2023 via base salary and signing bonus. So, in other words, you're looking at I don't know, like a let's say a uh, whatever a minimum base salary would be for him, probably right along the lines of, of, of a little more than a million uh, on him. And let's say a $3 million signing bonus. So that would put his cap hit around, I don't know what, two and a half million, you know, two and a half to two and three quarter million. But yet mm-hmm. it would put, uh, it put 4 million in his pocket in 2023. And then if you needed to, you could, you know, cut him uh, next off season at some point for, you know, a million and a half dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And obviously the market dictates what he's going to get. But from his standpoint, yeah, he at least probably wants, he would like to have the illusion of security instead of these one year deals every single year. Don't know what your status is going to be. Don't know where I'm playing next year. Don't know where I can kind of feel like I can try to put down roots, even understanding a two year deal isn't really going to give him security, but it's at least a multi-year deal he hasn't gotten that kind of makes it feel like, okay, maybe I have a home in this place instead of this constant one-year deal. Okay, I'm kind of always peeking towards what things will look like next offseason. So I think that'd be good for him and and good for Pittsburgh as well to have that flexibility of not having to, to play this. Is he staying? Is he going game every year? I mean, what what is his average year, yearly value worth? Two and a half million, three million? Because if it's three million, then it had to be obviously a a two year, uh, six million dollar deal with let's say, you know, good for well, once again, uh, if you if you did two, if you did two for six, you you he you know, probably still want four million of it in two thousand twenty three via signing bonus and base. So is he worth three million dollars per year? I guess is a question. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, given the way the cap is, it's a very small percentage of the cap. I think two years, seven million to me sounds about right for Edmonds. Somewhere I mean, around there. Here's where I closed out the uh, the paragraph on him. I think there's a decent chance he's back for one more, at least one more season. 
I think so too. Really, the I mean, I, there's no guarantee of that, but the question will be: Will there be a, a second Edmonds brother uh, with him? And based on the way that Tremaine played yesterday, his price just went way up because he had a heck of a game against the Dolphins. And then you look out on the heels of our Roquan Smith deal, and yeah. uh, just once again, supply and demand. Of, of, uh, I mean, will the Bills even just you know uh, decide to franchise tag him? You know, they could. Uh, yeah. You know, a lot of people getting all hyped up about, you know, the other admins coming to town, but a lot he's got to get the market first. Right. Know? That's what I've been telling people. I don't know if Buffalo wants to break uh, that that great defense they have up, but his price certainly went up based on yesterday's play. OK, by the way, C.J. Stroud of Ohio State officially declaring for the draft. So did Jordan Addison so today's last day for players to declare Stroud pretty late in the process, but he is officially entering the uh, 2023 NFL draft. OK. All right, moving on, Devin Bush, as we talked about, really can't see him coming back under any circumstances. A first-round pick that did not work out as play a bit better this year than last, but you just move on, didn't work out, and don't try to hang on to that mistake. Yeah, we've already beat that one up pretty good there. So let's. Uh, I, I don't think he's back. You don't think he's back. I don't think he should be back. Not many people think he should be back. Uh, time to just cut your losses and move on. Let's go to the next one on the list. Robert Spillane, and that's a guy we've talked about some already. A lot of you know pending free agents in that inside linebacker room this year with Bush and Spillane and Marcus Allen. Spillane's a guy that I do expect to come back based on that trust that the coaching staff has in him, the every down role that he carried towards the end of the year. And despite Pittsburgh's best efforts to always try to find somebody else to start over Spillane by year's end, Spillane always wiggles his way back into the starting lineup. The subject of my terrible take today, I think he's back. Yeah, uh, here's 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 the thing. Can, uh, we just talked about what a guy like uh, Edmonds' market value is, and you would think Spillane's is slightly higher than 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 Edmonds. Obviously, two different positions here, but uh, and and uh, you know, I know a lot of people are wanting to cut Miles Jack. We'll see if that actually happens or not. I mean, if they were to part with Miles Jack. I don't, I, I got a funny feeling that wouldn't happen before March 15th. And if it didn't happen on March 15th, I think the, you know, the probability of them lasting uh, highly uh, grows considerably at that point, but you're already, it already feels like Devin Bush is going to be out the door. Even though Marcus Allen was on this roster last year, uh, he never played it down. He's a guy we're going to talk about here in a minute here. Uh so it's not like you're even considering him for, for a linebacker role. Anyway, you got a, a young kid, a Mark Robinson that you're still trying to figure out there. Robert Splain is a guy that you know what you're getting in there. So mm-hmm. uh, does he have a lot of warts? Absolutely. Can he still play downhill and, 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 and play against the run? Absolutely. Is he a guy that you want out there getting, getting eight up in the lining up in the slot or, or in zone, getting eight up in coverage? Uh, five times a game? Absolutely not. But, you know, he can still give you some special team snaps as you kind of develop maybe some of these younger guys here. Is he a guy that, you know, long story short, can, can he can he hang on for you here? And will you bring him? What is his market value? It, it, it feels like it's around four and a half million dollars, Alex, per. I See, I think. I think it's less than that. I think his value to, to Pittsburgh is going to be higher than, than any other team just because of how much trust they have in him and, and you know, just what, what they've been able to kind of see the intangible side of Spillane. I think he's worth more than the minimum. I think he's probably going to be a 
two and a half, you know, three million per kind of a guy. Um, but he's not a long-term answer. But but at worst, you know, he'd be a number three that would rotate in and be next man up when an injury strikes. Is he worth three and a half million per? Yeah, I'm trying to think about the conversation we had, I think, last week or two weeks ago. You know, again, just very general off the top numbers, two years, six million. I think in some sense, Edmonds could be worth more just because he's, you know, guaranteed to be almost guaranteed to be starting strong safety. If he does resign, he's a bit younger and just just more athletic at a I don't have more premium positions to write word, but um, I, I would probably say for Spillane, like two years, six million. I mean, he's he's one too, uh, you know, uh, like like Evans probably probably wants some semblance of possible security, albeit that if he did came if he did come back, uh, if he is resigned this offseason, I mean, you hate to look too far ahead, but it feels like you've maybe done something wrong if he has to still be on the roster in 2024, you know. But uh, long story short, I I mean, I think there's a real strong chance he's back. You know, yeah, on, I'd be uh, shocked uh, if he wasn't because you can't lose Bush and Allen's not a defensive piece, regardless of what happens. And Miles Jack is kind of futures a bit in doubt. It wasn't a great year for him. You can't lose all those guys and lose Spillane and kind of just trust Mark Robinson to make it work. Or then you have to go spend a high draft pick on somebody with other needs and trying to build this thing inside out. Spillane, I don't want to call him a must resign, but actually I think he's, he's kind of close to that term. And you've eaten them up a few times on some tape. I've what? Eaten them up a few times on how he's been used in coverage and all like that. Yeah, I mean, I've always kind of been a bit confused about his dime usage. I think we all kind of have. I understand they, and it's, I've answered my own question, I guess, by saying they trust him. He's smart. He's a good tackler. You know, there's just a lot of trust in in those moments they probably don't have with a, with a Devin Bush type. So uh, that's why Spillane's gotten the nod there. And he may continue to be in that role based on what else happens this year. But um, Spillane provides a lot of value. And if the worst thing he is, is your, is your number three that rotates in when an injury strikes again, Spillane by years end always finds a way, you know, whenever, whether, whenever this team tries to replace Spillane with a Joe Schobert or a miles Jack, he's always kind of just beating those guys out by the end of the year. All right. So, uh, so far we got Cameron Sutton. Uh, we think it's going to come back. Edmonds. We think is coming back and Robert Spillane. We think is coming back. Will DeMonte Casey come back? And Man, if Edmonds is coming back, but if Edmonds is coming back, is Casey going to want to come back as well is the question. I don't know. I've met, I, need, I need to probably do a better better job, maybe checking my heart at the door at this one. Uh, <laughs> you send contracts to them at the same exact time. Don't tell the, the other that the other was getting a contract, and then they both just, just wacky sitcom types. Well, well, you know, I mean, you, you, you laugh about that, but look what you did last year with uh, with the two cornerbacks in Witherspoon and uh, – uh, uh, Levi, Levi, Wallace, yeah. Levi Wallace. I mean, man, it'd be nice to have both those guys back in that defense for one more year. It really would. It really, yeah. really would. But, you know, Casey probably helped it, even though it was a half a season. Uh, it feels like he helped his, his value, you know? Uh, sure. no, no, uh, I, I just, man, I, I think he was a nice fit in that puzzle. And, you know, are they going to get lucky here that he only played half a season? I mean, I, I, ideally, obviously, as, as a fan coming in, the way the way he played in training camp, you know, and and or I'm sorry, the preseason mm-hmm. made you really start getting excited about maybe what he could 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 offer this team on the defensive side of football. And obviously, the uh, the forearm injury happened, sideline surgery, all yada yada. But you know, and then I, his his return to the field coincided with that of of of, of Watts and. 
man, this defense was, and I know the competition involved and, and all like that, yada, yada, but uh, uh, this defense really played well in the second half of the season. I would do everything in my power uh, to bring him back. Yeah, I mean, I think you would like to. Um, really valuable in dime packages. That kind of became his role whenever he did return as that, that sixth defensive back he played. Uh, it allowed, actually, it was Edmonds was playing kind of as that dime backer role in, in, in that dime package uh, the back half of the year. And, and, and uh, Casey was kind of playing the strong safety role, but a lot of rotation there, some versatility, a good energy guy, a good tackler, plays the run, fills the alley. Um, and, and has good hands. Can, you know, this guy was a ball hawk coming out of college and had that great interception on on Watson in, in, in week 18. So there's a lot of value there. He's not going to cost much. It just kind of is he going to look for maybe a better opportunity or will he try to sure. come back and, and, and compete for, you know, in theory, compete for the job, but probably be a sub package player in Pittsburgh. It's possible. He is 30, though, with some injuries. He's got, you know, torn Achilles a couple of years ago. I mean, right. there's an age thing you kind of worry about, but. If he does return it, it should be on a one-year deal, so there's not a lot of risk involved from Pittsburgh standpoint. All right, does he is he back or no? Ah, you're making me answer this one now in January. Yeah, I'll say he's back. I think he enjoyed his time in Pittsburgh and probably appreciates you know getting the opportunity. Um, and he, it, and I doubt there's you know the safety market's never that hot to begin with for a 30-year-old right. safety that was a sub-package player missing half the year. It's not going to be like this team's beating down his door to, to go sign. Right. That's where I kind of circle back. I said, you know, maybe they end up catching a break here because he only played a half a season because <laughs> had he right. played a full season, uh, you know, what, what could he have done had he played a full season? I mean, this guy's tackling was on point, man, you know, uh, sure. and, and that says a lot in that secondary. Yeah, I, I think he's back somehow, some way, even if, you know, even if you have to give matching kind of offers to him, him and Edmonds, it sure would be nice not to have to address the safety uh, position in the draft, you know, bring in a couple uh, uh, unrestricted kids or something like that to maybe compete for for, you know, a special team spot or something like that, you know, because look, I mean, you got killer brew. What does he really give you? Uh, I, I, he, he's a special teams ace, even though he's listed as a safety, uh, Norwood, the jury's still really, really out for him. He's more of a free safety anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and all, and, and this would certainly sure up, uh, your strong safety spot, at least for this next season. Now, if you did go via the draft, the position, you would think it'd be more of a strong safety spot and you could probably get one of those around. Uh, fourth, fifth round, something along those lines. I don't know, but uh, uh, I think he's back when this when the smoke smoke clears from where we sit right now. Last thought. I mean, if hypothetically you resign both Edmonds and Casey, you'd have a safety room next year of Minka, Edmonds, Casey, Norwood, Killebrew, and Elijah Riley. Right? He's he's uh, carried over because he got promoted, so he's under contract. Correct. Right, but uh, you could probably get him back to the practice squad. You know. Right, but I'm saying like you probably don't have to even add really any safeties outside oh, of yeah. a drafted player. Like your room is, is kind of set if you, if you can do all those things. Now I, I could see Casey as a guy that probably sits in the market for a little bit like Edmonds last year and just kind of waits and, you know, sees what's out there. Maybe if an opportunity pops up at some point, um, he didn't sign with Pittsburgh until the literally the end of the draft last year it was right after day three ended like an hour later, he signed. So I don't think it would take that long. I could see him testing, wanting to see what's out there. And then maybe two weeks later, three weeks later, coming back to Pittsburgh. Sure. Uh, and, and obviously the longer he waits, the more the price goes down. Right. So, uh, but a guy Pittsburgh, I think would like to have back for that sub package value. 
Uh, Chris Warmly next on the list, and he was, you know, not going to be in line for a huge payday, but a guy that I would have felt pretty strongly about wanting to bring back this year. And he tears his ACL in week 14 against the Ravens. And now the injury kind of throws a big wrench into those those plans. Man, you got to feel bad for that guy. And that guy's, yeah. you know, you, you want to talk about some of these guys that, that, you know, not drafted by the Steelers, but they wind up uh, with the Steelers that uh, they end up, uh, uh, you know, after a couple of years, you look at him and say, man, that guy's a quintessential Steeler. You know, he mm-hmm. gets it, you know, every yeah. aspect of it. And uh, he's having an okay season before he went down. And what, what was it? Week, week 14, non-contact against the, uh, against the Ravens there. Uh, you know, all of this is obviously going to be decided on his rehab and this thing is going to go way into the summer. It's not going to be a rush with him whatsoever. Uh, I mean, a backup coming off of a knee injury. What, what could his max value possibly be? The answer is not much. Uh, I think they re-sign him. I think it's just a matter of when that happens, it might be closer to the start of training camp. And even so, he is a guy that that, that might start off training camp on the uh, on on the active PUP list. And then he might even have to start the regular season on the reserve PUP mm-hmm. list. He's kind of on that on that time uh, cusp of will he be ready or not? You know, they all, it, you know. Uh, obviously every person person is different here. Long story short, I'd bring him back on a, on a one year uh, minimum value, uh, a veteran benefit deal with the max signing bonus. I I'm allowed to get to that. And then, and then I, I think he probably would take that at this point. Yeah. I don't think you can give him any more than that. Unfortunately, just given the injury, just based on he's getting older, a defense lineman with a bad knee, you're not feeling great about that. Um, if that does happen, it's probably like a June signing after OTAs, right. just based, as you said, kind of checking in on the knee. It's not going to be something that happens anytime soon. And then I, I doubt he'll be ready for week one. So I think he becomes a pup guy that tries to come back, kind of becomes the Casey of next year where you get him back midway through the year and he becomes would be an asset to you. Um, but beyond that, I mean, it is one year minimum salary benefit. That is the only path I could see him coming back. Yeah, and I think he will be back on that. He don't want to go anywhere, I don't think, at this point. Yeah, I don't think so. But really unfortunate because had he been healthy, wasn't going to get paid a lot, but would have gotten paid, you know, something as a strong rotational backup. He's a very technical player. His technique improved this year. The sacks were down. He lost out to Ogan Joby, but solid against the run and and kind of a crafty pass rusher as well. Um, not a, a super great athlete, but uses his hands exceptionally well, um, can play up and down the line. So uh, just just unfortunate for him. All right. Tyson Aliwalu, it seems like end of the line for him. A yeah. great career. Should not uh, overlook how good of a career he had, how durable he was until all the you know lower body injuries, the knee, the ankle, hurt him the last couple of seasons and became a really valuable guy initially replacing Hargrave at no stackle. I was watching, I'm going down a rabbit hole, rabbit hole here, so I apologize, but I was watching, what was it, 2020 week one highlights against the Giants. <laughs> I was just watching Aliwalu just destroy that Giants center with some young guy they had back then, just making plays all game. Um, had some really good reps in Pittsburgh, but you know, this past year coming off the injuries, just looked like a shell of himself. Remember him getting flattened against Atlanta. It's not a question of free agency. He, he's just going to retire. I think so as well too. And, you know, I was worried about him just the overall health because kind of the, 
you know, the knee issue way back in, 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 in camp and him coming off of the, uh, the ankle injury from, from 2021. I mean, you got to take your hat as, as Heinz Ward say, you got to take your hat off and hand it <laughs> to him. Uh, he played all 17 games, uh, overall. And for a guy, his, his, his age, uh, what 35 and his weight and the amount of snaps. I mean, uh, yeah, he's been a durable guy. The problem is, is that he he was not that 2020 guy uh, in 2022. He's got a family. He's real family orientated. Uh, that uh, this is it. This has to be it for him. It yeah. just, it just absolutely has to be it for him. It is. You know, lost his job to Adams midway through the year. We get the picture. He's going to retire. Great career, but but it, it's time. Right, Malik Reed. Not a great trade. Not the uh, we, know, tried, Khan, we tried to tell him. <laughs> you know, Omar Khan still kind of net nets win, or how do you want to say this? Net wins based off the Chase Claypool deal. But there was there's been some stinker of a trade with Malik Reed and William Jackson not getting anything on him, trading a guy for a bet with a bad back. But um, yeah, Malik Reed should not be back. Will not be back. Just small edge rushers in Pittsburgh do not work. You cannot have small guys on the edge in Pittsburgh. Has not worked. Has never worked did not work with Malik Reed. I mean, it'd be one thing if he could play to run or something too, but he couldn't, he, you know, uh, he, you know, can't, can't play that AFC North ball, if you will. And right. really didn't give you much. You'd get, what was the one, one of the main things that we both talked about right after signing, man, get swallowed up by these tackles. It seems He's like, small. it's a small guy, uh, you know, and that's what happened. And I, you know, uh, we, I think we had one e- email or other show hit us like, two or three weeks in a row saying you guys are going to be sorry talking down about Malik Reed like that. Uh, there is no way in God's green earth. They should. And he, and he doesn't even give you anything on special teams either. Really? Right. You know? So that that's another aspect. I mean, at least if you, if, if, if he had 58, uh, snaps on special teams in total. Uh, if you're going to be a number, you know, that's why he, that's why Jameer Jones was dressing and he wasn't. You know, mm-hmm. and, and technically, yep. Jameer Jones was the number four on the depth chart here. I mean, if if if, if you know, if you're not going to be that guy on the edge, then you damn sure be able to play special teams. And and he just couldn't do that. Uh, they they just need to let him ride off into the sunset. Now, I do think his pass rush got slightly better as the year went along. There were some holding calls that seemed to be missed against him. But, you know, I, and I understand he was a guy that was traded late trying to catch that moving train. I know the systems were similar, but it's still new new team, new system, new coaching, new verbiage. Um, you kind of felt to maybe settle in a little bit midseason, but the run defense was never there. And as you said, inactive against what both games against Baltimore. I mean, that just says it all right there. Right. And the final one against Cleveland. Right. Uh, with the Marvin yep. Liao getting some looks as that kind of big hybrid type player. Um, yeah. Reed should not be back. And I do not expect, expect him back uh, next, next season. We both have begged them the last two seasons to properly address, you know, the outside linebacker position and uh, you know, Ingram to some degree, you know, unfortunately that, you know, uh, crapped out by the trade deadline and all like that. But uh, uh He's Reed certainly wasn't the answer. Yeah, I think we've talked about Leal, I think, needing to potentially be that answer to, to plug some of that. But failing that, this team has to draft somebody that has a real Absolutely. longer commitment instead of these one-year deals and trades and trying to piece this thing year by year. Uh, get get a more solid guy because the position's too important. The injuries you've had to that, that position in the last two years, 
you got to be three deep at that. That's a linebacker. This is absolutely has to be the year now that somewhere between the first and fourth round, you go out and get, get you another ass kicker to play outside linebacker. Right. Unless you're going to commit to Leal being kind of your number three. If you do that, then I think it lessens the need. Doesn't eliminate it, but lessens it. Uh, but if you're not going to commit to that, then you got to go with a high priority pick. All right. Next, the next two should be fairly easy. Yep, Marcus Allen, who uh, injured there, uh, placed on IR to uh, to end the year with a biceps injury on that left arm. Uh, quality special teamer, you know, up back. I mean, his role, don't want to overlook that. But if he does come back, um, it'll be for really cheap. And obviously, he's best known or worst known for his little sideline celebration against the Carolina Panthers. Look, the, the, the notion that he's been able to stick on, <laughs> stick around this long, uh yeah, good, good, good for him. Uh, but he is a special teams uh, player only at this point. Uh, you're not going, you know, we saw the zero, zero defensive uh, uh, snaps. He logged 230 total special team snaps. Uh, could do without all the shenanigans, of course. But uh, uh, I don't think he's a bad kid. You know, I just think he's made some bad <laughs> bad decisions on the field, especially in that game against the Panthers there. Uh, the only, only way he comes back is a, is a veteran benefit contract. And that's with no guarantee that he sticks around past week one. That's the only way he comes back. Yeah. And with you hundred percent, Dave, um, if you do, if he does go somewhere else, you will need to find a new up back, certainly replaceable, but something to replace and also a new training camp DJ, because that was Marcus Allen's role. Uh-huh. So that's a very important role to have the training camp, uh, DJ and stretch line. Next up here, and I believe last on the list here is Carl Joseph, who has hung around this team for a little bit. He's played two defensive snaps, I think, last year it was, and then what got hurt in the preseason opener and uh, went on IR. So that's Carl Joseph. Was, was he on IR or what was the situation? Yeah, yeah, he went. He went to IR. Okay. He was uh, uh, spent the entire 2022 season on on IR after I think it was the. It's opening he, kickoff, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like two yeah. play or one play or two plays into in, 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 into preseason there, and he was already walking right. off, and he never came back again. And we uh, saw the air cast, and we knew. Right, okay, that, right, that's, right. That's Look, it. Okay. Uh, this ship has sailed. Yep, former first round pick. Um, but uh, yeah, Pittsburgh loved them coming out. Probably would have drafted him if they could have way back when. Reunited right. with him years later, but injuries, age, don't need Carl Joseph. Right. All right. Uh, that's the list. So what uh, the defensive ones we think uh, really like the chances of coming back Sutton Edmonds yep. Spillane. I think we're both on Casey. Yeah. We'll g- give the nod to Casey and warmly. Yes. Although knowing don't don't count on him making an impact anytime soon. All right. And, and what were we on the offensive side of, of, of the football guys coming back? Gentry like the chances of him. Uh, let me pull up the list here. Yeah, we'd like the chances on Gentry, Watt. Derek Watt. We we kind of we're kind of indifferent, I guess, on Watt. Right. But certainly, Bo- you know, that could happen. Boykin, right? Snow. Were you yes on Snow? I was yes on Snow for cheap. I mean, for cheap. I mean, I think he could. Uh, I would have him back for for a minimum. I, I certainly would have him back on 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 a uh, veteran benefit contract if I could. Yeah. Yeah, I would do that. And then the offensive lineman, Trent Scott. I think I think I was a little bit higher on Trent Scott yeah. and a little higher on Jesse Davis, but it's right. it's six of one, half dozen the other. Right. In, in totality, where your money is most likely to get spent here, uh, 
as or or uh, cap dollars most likely to get spent here would be a little bit on Gentry uh, if you brought him back, and obviously Sutton. Uh, the rest of the, the rest of the guys, really, you're not going to, you're not going to, I mean, you can have, you know, six or seven of these guys ultimately resign and it not, not kill you from a cap perspective, you know? Yeah. It would, not that's usually what they do, money. right? Right. I mean, it, it seems to be unchanging under Omar Khan, who was running the cap before it became officially the, the team's GM. Um, now if, if the team does resign Larry Ogunjobi, that'll cost a little bit of money. Right. Um, but we're kind of hedging against that right now. Right. So, yeah, it'll be, again, just to recognize it's the first full offseason for Omar Khan and Andy Weidel. So we're like excited to kind of see how they approach things and probably shake up this roster a little bit, but, you know, certainly paying more attention in free agency in terms of guys resigning or not to, to the defense, because that has a lot more um, bigger names than what the offense is offering. Right. All right, Dave, anything else you want to talk about in today's show? I think we covered it pretty well. Uh, anything else on your mind? Yeah, yeah, real real quick. Uh, just, I'm going to write up, you know, some potential, you know, sal- salary cap clearing, uh, you know, salary casualties, I guess, if you will, uh, here probably in the next 24, 48 hours. Uh, thoughts on Miles Jack at $8 million? Yeah, I'm, I'm basically with you where I think he's, carried at least through the off season and you take him to camp, just knowing you're losing other guys there and, and Bush and, you know, Marcus Allen, even if you resign, I'm not giving you much. Um, but I don't see him as a guaranteed lock to be with this team week one. Um, you know, I just, the injury that he battled so many, and, and I know the groin impacted him pretty heavily the back half of the year. And even before then his play was okay. It wasn't great. So yeah, I don't think he'll be cut. He could be, but there's, there's enough you can trim elsewhere with Jackson, with Trubisky, with Witherspoon potentially um, that you, you don't really feel compelled to cut Miles Jack. At the very least, survives past March 15th, right? I That's my expectation right now, yes. I'm not going to guarantee that. If there, there's a scenario where you'd argue him being cut, but um, given the other losses there, I think Jack stays for a little yes. bit. One, one other real quick. A lot of people seem to want Chiquamo Corfor run, run out, but uh, uh, I, I just I, I I don't see that happening. No, I don't either. I'm I'm no big you know giant Chiquamo Corfor defender. I think he's been pretty maxed out for the last two years. He's an average right tackle, but the team signed him. His play was was fine, and he should be back. But if you're gonna if you if you are gonna run him out, he's got a four million dollar uh, roster bonus due. On, uh, I think March 22nd or 20th or something like that. Not, not too long after the start of the, uh, new league year. So they would have to make a decision on him, uh, pretty, pretty quick on that. And, and, and I'm with you. I don't, I don't see it happening there. Uh, I think the names that you're, that, that you're really discussing as, 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 as you know, salary cap casualty guys, obviously William Jackson, the third, I think Mitch Trubisky is a guy that you really got to look uh, uh, long and hard at. And I think Akella Witherspoon uh, is, is another guy there. I, I think those are the three three names that you're really playing with here. Now, look, you can get later on into this. It doesn't make sense to cut a Gunnar Olszewski on March 15th with with the uh, roster displacement of 750000 from the – I mean, you, you say $1.25 million to, to cut a player that who knows how injuries might go. You know, right. Yeah. Uh, even knowing this is kind of not working out the way the team envisioned, you probably still carry him. 
as a just in case policy. He may not make the week one roster. He may, you know, create space right. right before camp or right before the season starts, uh, but not someone I'm expecting to be cut, uh, you know, prior to the start of the new league year. But there's nobody else you'd add to that list of, 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 of the three, right? I don't think so. What other names could you even suggest at this point? Uh, I can't really think of. I'd have to go through the whole list, but yeah, I mean, I don't know what other candidate candidates there even would possibly be. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, we already talked about Miles Jack, yeah. but uh, beyond that, uh, beyond that, I mean, there's really nobody. Montrevious Adams, I guess. I mean, two and a half. Mention. I mean, two and a half million. Once again, you're already gonna you're gonna have some guys probably walking out that door. Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm just trying so, to find I'm, another name, you right? Know? I'm not saying that that mon, you can might not get in a situation where come come we come final cut down, you might have a decision to make with Montrevious Adams, but 2.5 minus 750 thousand dollar displacement cost at the bottom. I mean, you, you're not even at two million dollars in cap savings at that point. You know what? What it does it? It's not it's not practical decision to do it on March 15th. No, I don't think it is, especially with the defense line concerns. Oaken Joby, Wormley, Aluwalu set to retire slash potentially leave her for agency. It doesn't make sense. But if you wanted to try to really bottom of the barrel, come up with one more name, that's it. But okay. yeah, I think that's that's like a a you know a fifty three man roster cut in in August type right. guy as opposed to before March fifteenth. All right, have we missed any to, to getting any of the topics on the list, Alex? I uh, just want to mention the. Uh, Draft profiles are back. Our first right. NFL draft profile for the season is up on Florida guard Osiris Torrance. That's one of Jonathan's guys. He loves those Gators and so has the article on him. Scott Pavel has his first way too early top 40 uh, big board. So if you guys love draft, and I, and I know you guys do, uh, you have a lot of draft stuff coming today. And really until the actual NFL draft takes place, we are now officially in draft mode, Dave. Absolutely. And uh, look, I mean, we're going to start powering these things out now, I think. Right. You know. Oh, yeah. There'll be one more profiles tomorrow. They're already in the hopper. There'll be basically a profile every at least one, essentially every single day from now until the NFL draft. Right. Uh, shall we get to some emails? Yep. Let's get to a couple emails and close out today's show. Uh, Arthur Elliott writes in two questions for you, Dave and Alex. What are your thoughts on some former Steelers coming back to help the Steelers in 23? The three names that come to mind are Javon Hargrave, Juju, and the Titans to release him for cap purposes, Bud Dupree. I'm just curious of what your take would be on the Steelers bringing them back and what their market values might be. Number two, I'll start uh, this by saying I think Kenny P is our guy, and I'm uh, excited for the future of this team. That being said, I'm curious how many rookie quarterbacks who have started at least 10 games failed to have one game with multiple touchdowns and if any of them went on to have successful careers, well, I, I had to research that, uh, uh, that second part, part of that question there. I understand, you know, where you're, where you're coming from, Arthur on a the concern there, as far as question number one, uh, man, I mean, obviously if they could get Javon Hargrave back, why, why wouldn't you? The question is, is are the Eagles going to let him get away, you know? And if he does allow, is allowed to hit free agency, it's not like the Steelers would be the only only guy interested in him either there. So, uh, I mean, I'm having no issue with Javon Hargrave coming back to this team. Uh, and I don't think Alex would either. Juju, I think Juju's helped his cause this year and good for him. And we'll see what happens during the rest of the playoffs here. This this is money-making time uh, right now. And I think he hit some of his incentives. I think he uh, – yeah. And right now you have to wonder, does Juju want to come back to the Steelers? <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, sure. 
with that said, you know, we're doing these awards articles and all like that. And it's hard to turn your head at the, the player most missed by the Steelers this year. And yeah, Juju was hurt for a good portion of, 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 of 2021 season and all like that. Man, that yards after the catch that Juju would, would provide in the slot uh, and some of that blocking, that was missed. Would I welcome Juju back at the price was right and all? Yeah, absolutely. I, I just I just have a feeling that's not going to happen. And as far as uh, Bud Dupree, I think our own Jonathan Heitrud has got an article coming up on him. Yeah, he's probably going to be a cap casualty with Tennessee. The question is, man, that guy's 30. His best years are behind him. He doesn't play special teams. You know, what are we looking at as a market value? Anything over three million, if you ask me right now, or uh, three and a half million, would be too would be a luxury for the Steelers when it comes to Bud Dupree. Uh, I guess the shorter answer is: Would I mind any of these three coming back? The answer would be no. I wouldn't mind it, but in the same breath. You know, obviously, Javon Hargrave is going to be market, you know, mm-hmm. a, a, a hefty market price. With Juju and Dupree, it all come down to market price. In reality, I know there's going to be a lot of talk about this, Arthur, between now and uh, March 15th. I don't think any, any, any of the three come back. Yeah, I basically echo your thoughts 100%. I, I doubt Hargrave even hits for agency. I think the Eagles lock him up as, as quickly as they can. Juju would probably love to stay in Kansas City, and he probably will. Um, Dupree almost certainly will get released by Tennessee. Would I? And, and to be clear, I'd love to have any of those. Or I'd love to especially have Hargrave right. or Juju back. Dupree, I can kind of take it, leave it. You know, if he, if he did come back, it would make sense. I would get it. The, the money would have to be right, as you said, Dave. But at the same time, just go draft a guy, get a right. young guy, four-year deal, cheap contract. That's probably the better path than a, a veteran whose best days are behind him. But I think clearly in Pittsburgh, the scheme was so perfect for Bud Dupree. Whenever he left, it kind of felt like he's a good player. He's gotten a whole lot better. But Pittsburgh was so perfect for him. I don't think any other system or scheme was going to be right for him. Then, of course, you factor in the ACL injury. Um, just kind of felt like that was going to be a bad contract the second that, that Tennessee signed him. Um, I don't know what his market value would be now but it would have to be pretty economical. Right. Plus, you know, once again, he ain't going to run down and do anything for you on special teams. Yeah. No, I don't I don't think that's a requirement. Melvin Ingram didn't do it. James Harrison eh. didn't do it late in his career. I mean, the number four has to do it. And so I, I think that's less of an issue than okay. what it used to be. But, you know, just some, uh, do you want to put that kind of money on a 30-year-old on the wrong side of his career when you can go draft a guy? You know, you could, yeah, maybe, but probably not. Uh, Bryce wants to know if Canada's let go. Uh, who outside of Pat Myers do you think would stay on the offensive staff? Uh, most of them, probably. I mean, you know, either the running backs coach contract isn't really related to what happens to the OC. Um, I mean, it would depend on contracts and and just individual performances. I mean, T- Matt Tom show would go, but, you know, everyone else would probably return. Uh, I agree. Frank writes in, hey, David Knox, Frank from North Carolina. Great coverage and podcast this year uh, of the Steelers. My question, could uh, Chooks Okorafor be another player that, that's contract gets uh, reworked this year? Frank, I know we you know, just mentioned him. Uh, I, I, I just don't think you're going to see that uh, happening uh, for, for first and foremost. Uh, it was a it was a three year deal with him, right? If, if yeah, three years, 30 million. Uh, let me pull up the specifics re- related to his deal real quick. If I can find it here, uh, I think it's three years, 30. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you're not, you're not going to restructure him. 
I'm looking in the wrong spot here. Here it is. Uh, he's got two more years left. He's got 2023, 2024. I mean, could you restructure him if you got in a, in, in a pinch and needed cap space? Yes. But it, once again, he's got a $4 million roster bonus due in March. So if you're going to restructure the guy, you're going to restructure him in March because you want to turn that $4 million along with a good chunk of that $6 million base salary into a signing bonus. But you've only got one 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 extra year on top of it to to uh, to uh, to to do something with there, so uh, it's not I, it's not going to get reworked that way. I don't think they're going to go to Chooks and ask for uh, uh, a pay cut. And then on the flip side, I don't we don't think they're going to uh, to cut him either. So short answer to your question is I don't I don't see anything being done with Chooks this off season. Agreed. He should be the starting right tackle in 2023. Rick Smith. Hey, Dave and Alex, love the show. It's Rick from Delaware. First, a statement. I can't believe it's Monday morning and Matt Canada still has a job in Pittsburgh. Second, what is your opinion on David Long off the long line or off the ball linebacker from Tennessee? Seems like an affordable upgrade for next season since the draft talent seems questionable this year. Look, going back to uh, pre-draft conversations that Alex and I had, I was more of a David Long fan than I was, uh, but, you know, a lot more of a David Long fan than I was of, of than than Devin Bush. All that said, I haven't. I mean, I've watched some of David Long just from weekly, you know, watching football and stuff like that. I haven't paid a lot of of of, of mind to him overall. Uh, could, I long short story short could could long story short could Long <laughs> be try <laughs> try to say that uh, real quick? Could Long be an option for them? Uh, I mean, if 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 he was, then Miles Jack's not going to be in the picture. Oh, and you I know, have I know that, Long I know and Jack a, next to each other. I know that's a weird, weird. I mean, because we're already talking about Spillane being back, and it, it it would feel very unlikely that it would be both Long and Jack. You know, yeah, a lot of a lot of people fair. are talking about Edmonds and all like that. Uh, I'm not. I, I'll, I'll I'll tell you this, Rick. I I I wouldn't. I would not 100% rule out the possibility of that happening uh, overall. And I think if there was one guy, you know, other not named Tremaine Edmonds that they might have interest in, I think it would be him as well, too. So um, I don't think it's totally out of the question. It's probably more realistic than Tremaine Edmonds is right now, just for the cost of it all. I mean, Edmonds is going to get paid so much money. I don't know if that's the splash Pittsburgh could afford it, but is that the splash Pittsburgh really wants to take? Again, knowing they want to build this thing more inside out, starting in the trenches, maybe get sign a more expensive D lineman and then add long as that second tier for agent type. That seems more likely to me. Will it happen? I'm still really early in that process, and, and we'll have to see who gets resigned and, and those types of things. Um, but like Dave, I would I would not discount it entirely uh jason campbell uh happy new year not 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 a student question but i'm wondering which current head coach would you want most if you have a young quarterback with more physical traits than polish he says i would vote for brian dable josh allen was a mess and then the mvp candidate daniel jones was just about uh out the door and now uh he has them advancing to the playoffs look forward to hearing your choices uh, he says, "P.S. The player profiles are the best way to get through uh, get through to the draft." Yeah, we agree there. Uh, 
I mean, look, Dayball's done a hell of a job, man. What he's, uh, man, he's got the Giants now thinking, man, should we have given, uh, picked up that fifth-year option on, uh, on Daniel Jones? I mean, th- this is back into one of these hypothetical type questions that not not a huge fan of overall. But uh, I mean, if you want to want a head coach that seems like he's good with young quarterbacks, I mean, is, is Dayball the new uh, Bruce Arians quarterback whisperer, if you will? <laughs> Uh, it's hard to say. I think he's done a tremendous job there. I, I have not given this, you know, question much thought, but you know, you go with the, the old school answer of Andy Reid, always working well with those guys, the structure, how friendly those offenses are to quarterbacks, which they should be. That's how you're supposed to build an offense. Doug Peterson and Jacksonville's done a great job. Uh, Dayball had to give him a ton of credit. So yeah, I, I don't know what the answer is. My first instinct is to say Andy Reid which is probably the most obvious and conventional one to give, but Certainly what Dayball has done in, in, in Buffalo, now with New York, uh, should be commended. Mark Urbaniak writes in, uh, keep up the great work. You guys just keep getting better. I disagree with the email on Friday's show about cutting out the research during podcasts. He says, I absolutely love it. It's one of the things that makes you guys so unique, and it shows that you know what you're doing. Plus, it gives us a look at into how you think. It also makes uh, the podcast longer, which is more than okay with me. Look, it's just it's, it's what we do. Uh oh. You know, it, it, it's almost to some degree a competitive thing, uh, nature of it, too. I, I got to find this out, you know, <laughs> uh, of, of the aspect. Uh, we don't like to, some of these questions are actually good questions that we get or, or we come up with during the show that man, I got to find the answer to that right now. I can't wait because our day moves so fast that if we don't do something whenever we think of it, especially stat related there, then we might not circle back to it. So, I mean, it just it, it, it's kind of. It's kind of just what what Alex and I do. Yeah, I think we're both cut from the same cloth where we just get bugged. We're kind of if we don't know the answer to something and we don't look it up, we're kind of like you, you feel that throughout the rest of the day of like, what is the answer to that? I'm just curious. They just like to know, just to know, to have that information because you never know when it might be useful for both the conversation now and down the road. It may be something relevant to talk about. So it's kind of how the site's been built and just the way that Dave and I are, are wired. One last one. There's a lot in here, but I'm just not going to have time to hit all of them here. This is from uh, Sean writes in, Dave, I absolutely love the salary cap talk. I look forward to it. But could you please explain the role, uh, uh, rule of 51 in, de- in detail, uh, in in detail, please? Why not have a rule of 53? Uh, you have, I don't know if it's just a typo because your email, you have role of 53. It's rule of 53. Uh why not have a rule of 53 when that's your eventual eventual roster? I just simply don't understand. And I'm not sure I'm not alone. Yeah. I mean, it's a great question, John, as far as why it is a rule of 51 and not a rule of 53. I have, I have thought about that and, and asked that same question myself over the years when learning this, I have never been able to find the answer to that. I think at one point I even asked Joel Corey thinking, why is it, why is it, I mean, it ends up being 53 man roster. Why is it not a rule of 53? Uh, and he doesn't even have an answer for it as well, too. He thinks maybe as maybe one time related to when, you know, uh, at one time, maybe related to roster, you know, stipulations and, mm-hmm. and, and, and all like that as part of CBA. But I mean, even going back before it became a 53 man roster, wasn't it a 48 man roster? And, you right. know, even, even then, you know, 
I don't, Sean, I don't have a great answer for you. It's one of those own unknown mysteries of, of, uh, we need to write it down. If we ever get Kevin Colbert on the show, mm-hmm. uh, to, to find out the history of why it's the rule of 51. I wish I had a better answer for you, Sean. I don't, as far as what the rule of 51 is, uh, it, it, it's an off season mechanism because you have, uh, 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 obviously your off season roster can swell all the way up to 90. Now it's just a mechanism to keep people from, I guess, overall from kind of hoarding players, if you will, if you think about it, because if you didn't have a rule in place and you had a 90 man roster and you weren't counting an X amount of the cap hits to be in line starting on March uh, at the new league year, what's to prevent a team from going out there and signing all these players with higher cap hits and then maybe either auctioning them off via trades or just flat out cutting them, which the NFLPA is not a a fan of. You see what I'm saying there? Uh, Yeah, it prevents any sort of abuse of of roster management. Right, right. So if you – and, and what the rule of 51 is, you take your 51 highest cap expenditures plus any prorated uh, money for that year uh, signing bonus, you know, anything above and beyond a base salary uh, for guys outside the rule of 51 uh, that's at your proration, roster, whatever. Uh, gets tacked on as well to, to that. So you take your top 51 and then any player outside of the rule of uh, top 51 that has any extra uh, cap cost to them outside of base salary that gets added to your 51 total. Obviously your any dead money that you have is part of that as well too. So the rule of 51 really does not technically end at the top at your top 51 cap charges, uh, it, it, it's, it's more inclusive in, than that, but, uh, in, you know, in theory, it's your top 51, it's, uh, it's extra cost outside of base salaries outside the rule of 51 and then dead money. Right. And why it's rule of 51. How long has that even been around for? How long has that even been part of the, the CBA, the calculation? Oh man, for a while, you know, okay. So maybe roster sizes were different or, or maybe it just, instead of rule of 53, it's just a way to give teams a little additional flexibility instead of doing a rule of 53, which would, uh, you know, require more uh, cap space needed, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to it. Yeah. I, I, I wish I had a great answer of why, why it's uh, a rule of 50, a rule of 51, not a rule of 53. I just don't. They probably just picked it one time and that was a number and we all just roll with it. Yeah, I mean, once again, I, I'd, I'd like to have the answer for that as well, too, Sean, but but I, I, I can't help you out there. <laughs> <laughs> Just as we talked about needing to find these answers, that's one we probably won't get to for, for quite some time. All right. Uh, once again, we, we appreciate all the uh, emails. Just way too many to get to here. Uh, anything else you'd like to add, Alex? Nope, that'll close things out. We will return on Wednesday and see if this coaching staff looks any different and uh, take it from there. All right. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Cazorra. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Uh, email the show, theterriblepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, go to SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button up right navigational bar. Uh, also, if you would uh, like an uh, uh, ad-free version of the site, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the ad-free button up right navigational bar. Uh, a lot of uh, draft stuff headed your way now. Uh, Alex and I 
be back on uh, at it again on Wednesday. So in the meantime, as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.